The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Alison. He gets it. He gets it. Alison's done it. There is a dramatic twist to the tail. So welcome along and the Red Agenda is back for another season. If we've had your company before, thank you very much for returning. And if you've just found us, welcome along to the family. I'm Steve Hoversot. This is your Liverpool FC podcast brought to you by The Athletic. With the best in the business, James Pearce, Simon Hughes and Kiva O'Neill. We've all been enjoying their summer. We've been enjoying the Euros. How, how are we, guys? Kiva, I know you were deep in Euros mode, weren't you? Yeah, deep in Euros mode. Really enjoyed the summer and then caught coronavirus and, have, yeah, struggled there since. But, yeah, it's August now. We're, we're back and we're ready to do it all over again. Side looking absolutely recharged for the new season? I'm pumped, aren't I, Steve? You can tell. Um, no, no, I, I'm looking forward to... Um, the return of Premier League football, hopefully, well, it's, it's going to be with crowds, isn't it? Um, which I think, that was the one thing that you saw during the Euros, that, that the impact of the crowd, I think, led to a, a faster game, generally. You know, I thought the standard was quite high in the Euros, higher than you'd normally get in, in, in um, or sorry, the tempo of games was, was higher than you'd normally get in, um, in European Championships. And I think that was a consequence of, of sort of players playing under a bit more you know, crowd pressure and, just a reminder again what we've been missing out on. So yeah, I mean I'm not a massive international football fan, but but um I'm looking forward to the Premier League. And talking about players playing under pressure, James Pierce, uh, who was involved last week in a Legends game, uh brought on at half time and affected the game. So obviously you've been keeping your standards up this summer, James. <laughs> uh yeah, I think independent observers might have a slightly more critical assessment and my contribution on on Saturday, Steve, but uh, yeah, good fun down at Polton Rovers um, for a, a Liverpool team that had uh, John Walk and Mark Wright playing centre-backs, um, McAteer, Don Hutchinson, Jimmy Carter in midfield, um, and uh, yeah, John Dernan was uh, was up top, um, Bob Boulder in goal, it was, uh, it was Howard Gale and Alan Kennedy making cameos, having turned up at half-time, having gotten stuck in traffic, so uh yeah, all um, all all good fun, and uh, yeah, just it was uh, there was about twelve hundred people there, so it was it was uh, just yeah, brilliant all round. Because obviously, little clubs especially have, have have really suffered in the in the last eighteen months. So um, yeah, I raised raised a few quid for um, for a fantastic little club in Poulton Rovers. Good man, you can see why with that list of names that you were you were called upon. Right, let's get to the important stuff. The red agenda. <laughs> is back for a new season. And the great news is we're going to have two Red Agendas a week. Uh, I think it might be called a Red Agenda Extra. I, d- I don't know. The bosses will tell us, but that will sort of focus on some of those specialist articles that the lads write. But generally on a Monday slash Tuesday, we'll try and get th- through some of the biggest talking points of the weekend. So a brand new season to look forward to. Already some big stories. Van Dijk's return, Trent's new contract, Ibrahima Kanate's arrival. Let, let's start with Virgil van Dijk. And uh, it's, it's just massive news, James, isn't it? For, for Liverpool, I mean, what a long wait for him and Joe Gomez. Yeah, it was it was brilliant. And I don't I don't think it's it's not very often that you see Liverpool beaten, yet it was still pretty much all smiles afterwards. But that was 
that was the story after the game against uh, against Hertha Berlin because you know, the, you know, the, the result was absolutely inconsequential to the, the magnitude of just seeing Virgil van Dijk and Joe Gomez back in, in Liverpool shirts. And I think you, know, you have to see the way in which staff and teammates applauded them back onto the field. Uh, it was it was an emotional emotional moment because um, two players who had been through so much. I think I think what Van Dyke's absence I think was about 285 days, and Joe Gomez is you know not not far behind. So um, you know they've they've been with each other every step of the way during that grueling rehab, and pretty fitting that they should step back onto the field at the same point as well. And um, yeah, I think it was there was probably a little reminder there that anyone thinking that you can be out for that amount of time and just click straight back into it is completely unrealistic because you know, I think within what ten minutes we'd seen Gomez booked, we'd seen we'd seen Van Dyke left on his his backside by Stefan Jovetic who who scored, but um, that won't happen too many too many more times in the future, I don't think. And uh, yeah, just a really important step forward for both of them. Um, and you know, and when you you twin that with the fact that Joel Matip has got pretty much a full pre-season under his belt as well, you know, what was a, an area of massive concern for Liverpool last season now looks like one of you know real strength with with Canate coming in as well. It still seems really strange, Kiva, that Liverpool found themselves in that hole last season where they you know they were resorting to all sorts of centre-half partnerships. How would Liverpool's season have been in hindsight if Virgil hadn't been injured? And what, what should we expect then from this season? They were defending the title, weren't they? Until obviously the injury collapse of Virgil and obviously Joe Gomez. And then, I mean, we mentioned Virgil van Dijk pretty much on every podcast, I think, last season, which just shows, I think, the magnitude of the player and, and his absence. Um, I didn't see much of pre-season, but I did see that clip of him and Joe Gomez coming on and just what a moment. I mean, if the get that at Anfield this season hopefully a packed out full stadium um you know it'll feel like a return of something and although you know in in the sort of on the periphery is um Man City and Man United you know maybe doing bits in the transfer market and you know getting a little bit of hype behind them going into the season but with Van Dyke back and um just that kind of energy you think you know shoring up the defence again you do think well this is a title winning team still um, you know, the way they salvaged the season, they show they've got that belief and that character there. So I think having Van Dyke back is just absolutely massive. But obviously, as James mentioned, you know, he's he's gonna come back and be a little bit rusty, as is Joe Gomez. Um, but I guess that's why we it's it's good to have, you know, a, a shiny new sign and we can talk about in Ibrahim and Canate, um, as well as Joel Matip as well, who's hopefully can go injury free for as long as possible. I'm not sure that's possible entirely but um you know that'll be crucial as well to Liverpool won't it and it's not just Van Dyke the player is it Si I mean I think if you look at the influence of the man the sort of the, the captaincy element and the impact he has on just being out there he's not just a great player it's a much bigger picture than that yeah I think he is for me I mean he's the most influential signing that Liverpool have made in the last 20, 30 years, really. I mean, when you think from the point of him arriving at the club and how the team played before to within sort of six months, sort of the the, the feeling of the team, just and the, the impression of what Liverpool were capable of changed entirely. Um, 
and to not have him in a to to not have him last season, I just think was was a crucial blow. I think it's the, the, the difference between Liverpool certainly finishing higher up the table, if not competing for the title, and and what what eventually happened to them. I think that off uh, there's obviously the on the pitch. Everybody knows what a great player he is, but I think off the pitch he just gives the squad a sense of authority and a bit of calmness as well. Um, I mean, I've said it many times, but he, he, he sort of stamped his his influence on the squad within a couple of days of arriving at the club and became one of the central figures in the dressing room. So, rather than tra- uh, training away from the team, he, he's uh, sorry, training with the team, he was training away with, from the team for such a long period of time, and that just that has an impact off the pitch, particularly in the middle of a pandemic when it's not been easy for footballers with all the restrictions in place on them while still being expected to perform in front of the world so I think it, it couldn't have happened at a, at a worse time really on, an, on a number of different levels but you just saw by the reaction on social media you know I think I'm, I'm a bit sort of dubious of some of the social media posts of, of all footballers sometimes you know it's not always from um, you know it's not, it's not always certainly from all their posts are written by them, but I do think on this 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 instance, I do think that um, a lot of sort of the outpouring of, of uh, emotion after the game, seeing him back, I think a lot of people within the club are just very happy to, for him to be there. And I think it's a, bit, a big moment for Liverpool. It's going to be fascinating to watch how he how quickly he gets up to speed because I think it'll take a while. I, I, I'm just, I'd be I'd be very surprised, really, Steve. I think I think obviously Liverpool got. Uh, I think a friendly this week, then two friendlies over the weekends. Um, I think to, to throw him in straight away in an away game, um, particularly, uh, it's going to be a tough game. I think Norwich away uh, for the Open Day. I'd be surprised if he, if he went straight back. And it seems to me that in the friendlies, Matip and Canate have been starting most of the games uh, or being sort of the chosen two. As, as uh, James and Giva said, Matip's been... Uh, as a full pre-season, so I suspect he will he will play. Um, and Canate is obviously sort of uh, he's been the same. So I, I suspect that the season will start with those two at centre back. But um, no one Van Dijk. I mean, he, he's he, he looked as as James said, he has a, a a bit of a difficult moment in the first sort of 10, 10 minutes. But uh, I think you know he'll get, he'll get back up to speed pretty quickly. I suspect by after the in Jurgen Klopp's mind. I mean, this is only guesswork, but um, I, I suspect by the middle of September, when you there is an international break, I think, isn't there? <laughs> I've lost sight of the schedule. The first week of September, I, I suspect that'll be earmarked as as the time. You know, it's another month, then you'll get another two weeks potentially off. Whether he goes away with Holland is going to be a really interesting uh, matter. Um, we, we'll see, but I think by the middle of September, we'll see him back playing games, starting games regularly. Right, so Liverpool have got Ibrahima Kanate, um, James. He looks impressive already. Brand new signing, £36 million. Pounds, great in possession, seems to have linked up with, with Matt it well. And, and all quite exciting, really, because it sort of throws it into the mix as to what Liverpool's defence might look like over the next few months. Yeah, I, I, think, I think we've seen little flashes already of why, why he was the, the big priority for Liverpool in this transfer window, because... Um, I think he ticks all the boxes that we know that Jurgen Klopp and Pep Linders look for in centre halves in terms of, you know, he's 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 big in terms of stature, he's powerful, he's strong, he wins headers, 
which is massive, going to be massive for Liverpool in both penalty boxes. But he's also quick. You know, they, I think there's been a couple of times in the friendlies when you know someone may have got away from him, but his, his recovery speed to get back and deal with danger has been really, really impressive. And um, I think I think it will massively help Canate the fact that you know he didn't have one of those summers where you're coming off the back of a of a tournament and then joining a new club and you're playing catch up. I think the fact that he's been able to spend this, you know, what is it now? They're into their fourth week away. You know, it's it's almost like a preseason like no other for Klopp this really with three weeks in Austria and then the week in France. Uh, and that will really help Canate. I think you've, you've seen already from the social media stuff that the club have been putting out that um, that he's made an instant impression with his with his teammates. You know, he speaks decent, in, decent English which obviously helps as well, that that bedding in period. And um, yeah, and, and I think for that reason as well, there's just absolutely no reason to rush Van Dijk or Gomez back in because um, you know, Matip, from, from what we've seen in the games and the training videos, looks looks amazingly sharp. And of course, you know, you almost have to touch wood as you say that because we know with, with Joel Matip's injury record, the fear is, well, how long is it going to last for? But Certainly at the moment, you know, I'd, I'd expect Matip and, and Canate to be the, the partnership at Carrow Road. Right. So so one big new signing in. Will we have more? I was reading a piece that you've written on The Athletic and people can catch up uh, with some of those excellent articles. If you head to theathletic.com slash Liverpool pod, if you're not already signed up, you can get in before the start of the season and you can get 33% off the regular price of a subscription. But James, you, you wrote in one of the pieces, you, you felt Liverpool was still two signings short of being, I don't want to put words in your mouth, what, being the team that would actually reclaim the Premier League title or being... Yeah, I, well, I, in my mind, two signings short from giving me the belief that they've got everything it takes to go and win the Premier League this season. I think, um, yes, you've got to factor in that the, the players coming back from injuries will massively strengthen Liverpool, Van Dijk, Gomez... Henderson, you know, of course, the knock-on effect of of the centre backs coming back is we won't, you know, touch wood, we won't see Fabinho needed at centre half this season. So, you know, that opens up the possibility of Klopp playing, which I think is his first choice centre midfield of Fabinho, and then Henderson and Thiago, um, which he was only able to field once, and that was the, you know, the Merseyside derby at Goodison last October. Um, but yeah, I think when you look at it. I, I still feel that they're two signings short because it, it worries me that they they still haven't replaced Wijnaldum. Um, you know, just he was just so important Wijnaldum, wasn't he? So versatile, so durable. You know, you know, such a selfless team player. And and yes, I know the argument is that you know with Fabinho now not being required at centre half, Henderson being being back at firing all cylinders, Curtis Jones's development. But I just think there's such a big question mark against Naby Keita. And Alex Oxay Chamberlain, because you know both of their contributions last season were were very small. And, and yes, we all hope that they can both kick on and play a bigger part this time around. But there's no guarantees, especially with their with their injury histories. And then I think further forward, you know, I, t- I still think if Shakiri goes and Origi goes as well, then Liverpool will be active in the market. They'll have to be. Um, you know, that was that was what I was told recently was that you know if 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 those two players were to move on, then then of course they would look to recruit. And um, I, yeah, I think we talked about it on the pod many times last season. It, it just felt like Divock Origi's Liverpool career was petering out, and there was the need to upgrade in in that department. You know, we saw we we saw what the arrival of Diogo Jota did for Liverpool a year ago, and I, and I just think they need 
a similar lift in that department, especially when we saw Firmino's, you know, yes, Roberto Firmino finished the season pretty well, but there was a real drop off in his output last season. So, um, so yeah, I, I still think two signings to, to give me the, the absolute belief that they can, they can really go toe to toe with Man City. Eva, what do you reckon? We, we spent a lot of time last season. I know you said we talked about Virgil every podcast. We talked about Genie every podcast, didn't we? Um, and, and the ultimate outcome was he was leaving the football club. And from what he said afterwards, it wasn't because he wanted to leave. That doesn't matter now. But actually, Liverpool's midfield, does it still need another body in there, a replacement for Genie and Adam, or can it cope with what they've got? Yeah, I think I'm with James on this. You do feel like it needs that extra man there. Um, I just have to mention as well, Ginny Wijnaldum obviously played his first game for PSG um, yesterday, didn't he? I think they lost the the, the French Super Cup, is it? Um, which was, it's just difficult seeing him, seeing him post on Instagram in a different shirt than, than Liverpool. I just have to say that because it's hard. I'm I'm still in the, in the still morning, morning period. Yeah, I'm still there. Still there. It's probably the virus. I've still got symptoms and I'm just not not quite up to full speed. But you know, I'll have to I'll have to get a little pre a little mini pre-season under my belt, won't I? Um but no, I think I do think bringing someone in would just add that boost, but I feel like maybe an attack that's needed more if we were gonna, like James mentioned, Diogo Jota, like was massive for Liverpool last season. Obviously, his injury wasn't great, but that was such a boost. If Liverpool could have that in midfield or attack, I think either or would be great. Um, I think, you know, some of the players James has already mentioned and Curtis Jones will continue to have just, I mean, that was his breakthrough season and he was, he looked unreal. Um, so, you know, I think he'll only keep getting better. Um, and, I mean, it's kind of interesting because if Wijnaldum was still here, would he be that first sort of choice with obviously you mentioning Henderson, Thiago, Fabinho, you do always feel like that midfield never really got a chance to play together last season. I think was it the Merseyside derby and then after that we just didn't see them ever again. Maybe did we see them towards the end of the season but you do feel like that's that's a midfield to, to, to reckon with, isn't it? Um, so I don't think, you know, I think players probably like Naby Keita do need to step it up. I mean, Steve, you, you informed me that Oxlade-Chamberlain's been playing in, in a false nine pre-season, which I, I was not aware of. So that's interesting, isn't it, in, in many um, respects? I think, you know, is that sort of Jürgen's way of trying to shuffle shuffle the deck a little bit in terms of he's not getting an attack and play it in, he's going to try and move him a little bit forward, sort of plug the gap a little bit. Um, I'm not sure, but then you'd imagine that Naby Keita needs to have an injury-free and just, you know, his best season at Liverpool because... I mean, he's got a couple of years left, has he, on his contract, which has gone pretty fast and he hasn't really done too much. And I felt probably a bit sorry for him. But, you know, the clips that I've, I have seen from pre-season, he's looked really impressive. Um, but he needs to sort of patch those sort of highlights reels. He needs to just be a highlights reel every game um, instead of just sort of, you know, moments of not megs and you know nice little turns it, it needs to put it all together because we're, we're now going to be missing a player in Ginny Ronaldo who probably is the best in the world at ball retention and just carrying ability like the way the ball used to stick to his feet was he probably didn't get enough credit for it um so yeah I'm not entirely sure who even you you bring in to sort of bolster that because there's definitely plenty of plenty of players at the club I just think it's probably 
a fitness thing. But then we went into last season with three centre-backs and that didn't end so well, did it? So you think you'd, you'd rather have more players to pick from. Um, but then you've got players like Harvey Elliott as well who can, can, has been playing in more than a midfield role. I mean, he could play anywhere, I think. So there, there is, you know, that vibe as well that he feels like a new sign. And even though, you know, he's a kid and his minutes will probably be managed throughout the season, but he played like a million for Blackburn. So, you know, he's going to be exciting to watch as is Gordon and other players who can maybe, you know, try and sneak in and around the first team. What what, what about those players' side that have got a point to prove? And I think James and Kiva have both mentioned one, but there's quite a few in the squad, aren't there? There's, there's Naby Keita, who's... It was never quite taken off his career. In fact, I think if you if you looked at the number of games missed, he's probably missed a full season through injury since he signed. There's Alex Oxley Chamberlain, who I think's got a couple of seasons left on his deal. Um, who else are we looking at? Who's Roberto Firmino? Has got a point to prove. Sadio Mane didn't have the best of seasons last season, did he? There's a few in there who are, who I think should be out to to have a good season because they've not really impressed of late. Mm. Well, the first couple of players we've already mentioned, it's it's down to availability, isn't it? More than anything else. I mean, Cater, we've seen, as Kiva said, we've seen flashes of, of what he can do, but every time he seems to get a, a little bit of sort of momentum, um, it seems to fall away quite quickly because of an injury. Um, Oxlade Chamberlain's obviously had a very difficult time since the big injury that he had um, three, three seasons ago now. Um, Obviously, he's not getting any younger. So he, they both got um, a lot to prove. I know Oxlade Chamberlain is very critical of himself, you know, as, as well. I mean, there's been games when he's actually played well and he's very introspective and I think will be pushing himself hard to try and break back into the team. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the whole Liverpool team have got something to prove ultimately, haven't they? I mean, a lot of people are saying, that, you know, last season was it was a sign, a sure sign that this team is is sort of on the way down rather than on the way up. There's obviously mitigation in the defence of Liverpool in that discussion because of you know pretty much everything that could go wrong did go wrong last season, which obviously affected the form. As you said there, Steve, I think Sadio Mane was not at his best last season. I think he he will have to improve. Firmino. Again, you know, he, he's, he's. I think he will have to improve as well. I think Salah was the only one of the front three last season who you could say performed to the standard that, that he set before. Um, so, yeah, I think right across the team, Van Dijk, I mean, he, he's got everything to prove, hasn't he, that he can get back to the to the, to the level that he was at. And not easy when you've, you've, you've missed so much so much, so much time and you've had that, 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 that sort of seriousness of injury. So... The, the encouraging thing is that, you know, I think there is a, res- a mental resilience in this team. Uh, I think they'll identify that. They won't be complacent enough to think, well, you know, well, we've won the Champions League, we've won the league, we've got nothing left to prove. I think they will be acutely aware that you've got to go and try and prove it all over again. Um, and that can be a motivating factor. I, I personally feel I agree with with some of the comments that have been made. I do think they need certainly one sign. And I think the attacking area for me is, is the priority because I think that those everything is defined at Liverpool really by the, the energy and the pressing from the front three and when you have two components of the front three not quite at it it affects the, the rest of the team so it'd be interesting to see what happens with Divock Origi and whether whether Liverpool can get a deal in place for, for Jared Bowen as you know obviously James wrote that story with David Ornstein a couple of weeks ago um, I think that's a sign isn't it that's where Liverpool are looking to, to improve first so 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot to prove. Uh, I think I think they're going to be right up against it as well because obviously the teams around them have improved or going to improve. Man City, Man United made good signings, um, but we'll see. I mean, uh, we, uh, just when you think this Liverpool team is is gone, you know, they, they proved last season they, they've still they've still got a lot there to to, to sort of to to go and sort of get close to where you want them to be. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to watch. I think. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. On the signings front, there's a lot of players in that side that the club are looking at and, and talking to about extending contracts. And these are important players. Now, James, you've written a piece recently talking about you can't allow too many players to grow old together. So we're talking about Mane, we're talking about Salah, Firmino, um, Fabinho. They're not the youngest of players, are they? And there's a bit of a, I don't want to call it a conundrum, but actually what situation are the club in at the moment in terms of extending their contracts, but getting these brilliant players tied down, but at the same time knowing that they're not the youngest players? Yeah, and I think it is a real dilemma for for Michael Edwards and, and Mike Gordon at the at the top of the club in terms of how they handle that. There's a lot of players who have now entered the last two years of their contracts. And traditionally, that is the stage where, you know, players and agents expect clubs to pick up the phone and, and start negotiating. And um, yeah, I think when you, when you, especially, I think the, the front three is really interesting because, um, you know, I, I spoke to someone who was saying that, you know, it's just completely unrealistic to think that you could renew all of the front three's contracts. I think they're, they're all 29 going on 30. You know, they're all under contract till what, the age of you know, 31, nearly 32. So and it's it's going to take a huge amount of money to convince, you know, Salah, Mane, Firmino to, to put pen to paper again. And and I think we, we, it's the same theme that we saw why Liverpool rel- were reluctant to give Wijnaldum what he wanted. Because, you know, that in, in their heads, it was like, well, OK, yeah, you have been massively important to us, but do we really want to give someone who's not far off 31, um, you know, a new four-year contract? You know, are you really going to be worth that money when you're, you know, when you're 33, 34? And that is the dilemma for the club. And you can't have a situation where you've got too many 33-year-olds or 34-year-olds even on earning massive money and taking up a huge chunk of your of your of your budget for for wages. So. Um, yeah, I think... But, but when they're all so good and perform at such a high level, does that not add even a, a greater problem? When well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's where it, it probably helps the fact that 
this isn't the domain of Jurgen Klopp. Yes, he has an input in it, but these these decisions are taken above his head ultimately. Um, we saw that with Ronaldo because if if Jurgen Klopp was responsible, solely responsible for dishing out new contracts, then Genie Wijnaldum would have got what he wanted and would still be at Liverpool. It's the the job of Mike Gordon and Michael Edwards is almost to take the emotion out of these decisions and. You know, whether you like it or not, it's that they are business decisions, and um, that that's why you know there is a pecking order, there is a core of players there that they are desperate to get tied down to, to new deals. We've seen obviously Trent has signed his new contract that puts him up there with the highest wage earners at the club, and and rightly so when you consider his influence and importance on the team. We're expecting Allison and Fabino to sign new contracts in the in the coming weeks. I think the club will make a a really big effort to, to try and get Mo Salah tied down again. I think the same probably with Sadio Mane. Um, Virgil van Dijk, you know, absolutely nailed on for to, to get his terms renewed. Andy Robertson as well. But, you know, outside of that, I think there's a an acceptance that over the next 12 to 18 months, the process of refreshing and regenerating this squad has to has to be cranked up a level or two. And um, you know, we, we kind of saw it, I guess, last last year with like you know, Jota coming in, um, and you know that that's why it didn't it wasn't a massive surprise to me when I heard that someone like Jared Bowen was on Liverpool's shortlist because what is he 23, 24? You know, he fits that profile in terms of someone who's who's achieved at the you know he's played at the top level, but that you, you sense there's probably more to come from him and potential there, and that's that's the kind of players that Liverpool will be targeting almost targeting what they signed with Salah and Mane, you know, four, four years ago, whatever, four, five years ago, because, you know, back then they weren't superstars. You know, that's, that's the, that's the model at Liverpool to try and try and pick these players and then turn them into superstars rather than that. That's why, you know, for all the talk of Mbappe and Haaland and, and people like that, it's, it's, it's pretty fanciful. So, um, so yeah, there's some really difficult decisions on the horizon for Liverpool. And, you know, obviously, we wrote recently about Jordan Henderson's contract situation, and he very much, you know, fits into that bracket in terms of, you know, what is he 31? He's got a contract to the age of 33, um, but we know that talks that started with the captain towards the back end of last season, there hasn't been any progress. You know, we wrote about that recently with David Ornstein, and um, you know, and I'm, you know, it was it was interesting looking at the wide range of opinions. That, that piece sparked because on the one hand, you know, you get people saying, you know, it's a joke, just give him what he wants. You know, Jordan Henderson has, you know, absolutely, you know, given blood, sweat and tears for this football club for 10 years. You know, the thought of not keeping him around is ridiculous. But then you're like, well, he's got a contract that takes him up to the age of 33. You know, it's, it, is it a wise use of resources to, to throw lots of money at, you know, to keep him for, what is it, you know, probably two, three years beyond that that he would be hoping for. So, um, so yeah, you know, hopefully, certainly with Henderson, I just think he gives you so so much. You know, beyond the fact he's an elite midfielder, you know, what he what he gives around the place, I really hope that situation gets sorted. But I think the fact that there even is a situation there shows that there are are a lot of tough decisions coming up for for Michael Edwards and Mike Gordon. Kiefer, it's so hard to take the emotion out of it. Well, we've seen it when you talk about Gini Wijnaldum and your lip quivers. Um, but the, the same thing with, with Jordan Henderson, really, isn't it? Because emotionally, as fans, we're all massively invested and connected into him. And it's, it's quite hard to look at that business side of it. 
Yeah, I think it is extremely difficult. You know, Jordan Henderson's gave Liverpool fans his all and gave them everything. And, you know, that's resulted in trophies, you know, all those years of graft for a player who, who almost left the club. And just the, the story is a Cinderella one, isn't it, really? Um, for him to leave would just be, I mean, that would, like, if we thought Ginny Wijnaldum leaving Liverpool was, was pretty painful and it's difficult to see him just in, PS, in a PSG shirt, then how difficult would it be seeing Jordan Henderson play for another club? Um, I think when you think of Henderson, you think, you know, he is just 31. James Milner's still still a pretty important squad player at 35. So you'd imagine, you know, a contract extension to then at least would be, you know, ample. But I think for me, Jordan Henderson has to end his career at Liverpool. There's just, there's no real, there's, there's no question there. It, it's got to happen, I think. You know, um, he's yeah. I mean, it was like when Gerard left, and obviously, you know, it was nice for him to have that experience of another club and going to LA. But I just, I think with Henderson, obviously coming from Sunderland, he's experienced something before Liverpool. He doesn't necessarily need to go and experience anything else. And you know, I think we've spoken before about what he's like. You know, on the pitch, we know he gives us all, and he is an elite midfielder. I think for a long time, not everyone realised that. I think we were always here waving the flag, wasn't we? Um, but, you know, in the past few seasons, he's definitely been, you know, someone that people have have, um, have said as world class. And I think he is um, definitely, he'd, he'd make any team better. And that's just not on the pitch. That's um, off the pitch as well. And I think that's why, obviously, he was included in the England squad this summer. You know, going into that, not probably... A full fitness, but um, you know he's someone good to have around the camp, and that's the, that's been the case at Liverpool. You know he's sort of the you know Gerard passed the the baton on to him, and he's he's you know taken all that from Carragher, Gerard, those players at the club, and he's passing it on now to the likes of obviously Trent, Curtis Jones, the younger players coming up, even you know the likes of Harvey Elliott, giving them those lessons that he was taught, and that's really important. And you know he's someone that you you just to, to see him walk away from, from Liverpool at the end of this season or any season, it's just unimaginable, really. Um, so, yeah, I mean, give him a, give him a seven-year deal. <laughs> I'm sure the, the guys will be following it closely. Um, don't forget, if you're not already signed up to The Athletic, uh, you can get a good discount now if you head to theathletic.com slash Pod. And you're getting before the start of the season, you can get 33% off the regular price of a subscription. And uh, some great articles uh, from the guys coming up, I'm sure, in the next um, few weeks. Right, it's, it's, it's pre-season. Let's just finish on this. How much stock do you take in it, sign? Of course, you mentioned at the start of the podcast, there's two big games at Anfield coming up uh, next week. There's a game against... Um, well, Michael Robinson's old side, isn't there? Uh, Osasuna, which is which is a nice tribute to him. It'll be nice to have fans in there, but how much stock do you take in all this that we're seeing at the moment? Anything or nothing? Mm, not much, really, Steve. No. <laughs> um, I've seen too many terrible pre-season friendlies from Liverpool and then too many you know, very encouraging ones to not correlate with the corresponding seasons to really, to really place a great deal of value in it. I mean, I, I think we'll... The weekend's friendlies against uh, Bilbao and Osasuna, you'll have a, a better feeling roughly for where Liverpool are at and sort of what team, what players are going to be featuring in the earliest weeks. Uh, but everything that's gone before, really, it's just a you know sort of a, an exercise in, in, in fitness more than anything else. Um, 
know, the Jurgen Klopp doesn't need to drill the formation or anything like that. It's it's it's, it's well established now. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I've seen some terrible friendlies in the past from Liverpool, and then they've gone on and started the season really well. So there's not much a great deal that you should be reading into it unless they had some you know some terrible injuries in the in that in that in that period, which uh, in in those friendlies, which obviously hasn't happened. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the two Spanish teams playing. Just as you said there, it's just a good for Anfield to be a lot fuller than it has been in the last 18 months. And I think it's good that um, they're playing also sooner because obviously, as you said, Michael Robinson passed away at the, the beginning of the pandemic. And he was a you know massive Liverpool supporter, former player of the club, who I've met a couple of times. And he was always really great company. So... Um, it was it was a sad loss at a time when you know a lot of people were suffering and sort of it was, it was I don't want to say quickly forgotten about but obviously there was so much going on in the world that that um, I don't think the club was able to to mark his passing in the right way um, so yeah it's it's great that, that they're able to play also soon and I, I suspect as well something something should be in the pipeline for for, for Gerard Hule as well who who obviously passed away. Um, late last year, and the, the club haven't really been able to, to mark his, you know, his contribution to the club in, in the way that you normally would in in in, in a circumstance which were, which allowed fans into the ground. So yeah, I think that sorry, also Ian St John, Ray Clemens, St John. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I mean, the massive names there, aren't yeah, they? Big, big names, obviously. Play. You know, I know you're obviously very close to Saint. Um, all these people, it'd be good. It'd be good for the fans to be able to to sort of mark. The contributions to the club because all of them, each one of them, you know, massive. Um, so yeah, yeah, we'll see. But uh, I, I'm just looking forward to the real stuff starting. You know, the, the real, the, the the Premier League matches where points are on the on on offer. Um, really excited for first game at Norwich. I think it's a, it's a fascinating first game because obviously they've got a lot to a lot that they're going to be desperate to sort of really make their mark on the Premier League after a disappointing campaign last uh, the last time they were in the Premier League and. I think it's going to be a tough game and a, and a really, you know, really uh, big challenge for Liverpool on that opening day. Right, that was your first um, red agenda. Next week, we'll get it stuck into some predictions from the guys because that'll be uh, before the season actually gets going. Can Liverpool reclaim the Premier League title? We'll ask these guys next week on the podcast. Thanks as always to Kiva, to Side, to James. It's the Red Agenda. Thanks for listening. Tell your mates about it. And hopefully you'll stick with us throughout the course of the season. And don't forget, we're going to do a, a Red Agenda Extra. Uh, and that'll be a second one in the week where we focus on, on a particular article that the guys have written. Once again, thank you very much for listening to the pod. And we'll catch up with you in a week's time.